There are three places that we're going to look at today in Scripture. Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 14, and John chapter 16. So I don't know if you've got enough fingers to put them all in those places, uh, but we're going to start with Matthew chapter 14. I'm sure y'all have heard, you know, three cheers for this or three cheers for that. And, and I wanted to find the origin of that and have been unsuccessful. Uh, you know, if you look it up in the dictionary, it just says it's used to express joy or approval. Okay, well, that, I figured that out. I could find no explanation for why it's three cheers, not two cheers or four cheers. I found out that sometimes it was called three cheers and a tiger. And, and it, well, they would do the hip, hip, hooray three times. And then at the end, the tiger was just you know, like the roar of the crowd at the end of the third cheer. There are references to three cheers and a tiger as early as the 1800s. Apparently, um, you know, one ship would salute another ship uh, as they passed each other with three cheers. So if you know for sure the origin of that, you can email me. I'd be happy to hear it because I've not found it. You know, sometimes the internet just fails you. Uh, nobody seems to know what it means. But in my search, because I was thinking three cheers for the new year, in my search, I found a song by Adam Cohen. And it's an extremely honest song. The last part of the song says this. This year, I swear I'll try harder. I swear I'll try harder. I swear I'll try harder. Oh, this year, I swear I'll try harder. I'll try. But I fear that this year, I cannot be better. I'll try to be better, but I can't be better. So this year, if I'm not better, I swear I'll do better next year. <laughs> so, I guess he's already given up on the whole year. I saw something the other day. I mean, it's not profound. It's very simple, and we all know it. But it said, just remember that the new year is given to you one day at a time. So if you mess up today, you haven't messed up the whole year. Uh, we, God's mercies are new every morning. So maybe you can identify with that. You know, if I can't do better this year, I'll try again next year. I, I My favorite resolution that I've seen so far on social media is this year, I resolve that I will at least drive by a gym twice a week. So, so that's, that's a start, I guess. But as I was working on this, I, I discovered that in the New King James or the King James Version, three times in the gospel, Jesus says, be of good cheer, which is why three cheers for the new year. I'm sure I know it's a little cheesy, but, but three times in the gospels, Jesus says, be of good cheer which is interesting when you study the word that he used that's translated cheer. It has with it the idea of have courage. I like that. Adds another layer to it, doesn't it? So maybe instead of wishing people Happy New Year, we should wish people Courageous New Year. But well, we, we need that, don't we, after the last couple of years? We need to have a courageous new year. Be of good courage. Be of good cheer. 
And the first time, well, the first time we're looking at it, not the first time chronologically, that Jesus says this is Matthew chapter 14. This is the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000 men. Uh, most people think there may have been up to 10 to 12,000 people there because the 5,000 was just the number of the men. And you figure there were some wives there, maybe some children there. Um, so uh, more than 5,000 people there. But, but he has just fed what we call the feeding of the 5,000. And verse 22 of Matthew 14. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, the boat with the disciples in it, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch, that's between 3 and 6 a.m. of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. I call this the cheer of his presence. It's me. I'm with you. Be not afraid. Now, one of the most important things about this event is that the disciples were doing what he told them to do. The disciples were obedient. They were doing what he told them to do. That's important. You might want to put a little star by there if you're taking notes. And by the way, if you're watching on social media, any of the platforms, you can download the notes. You'll find the link there where you can download the notes and follow along with us. They were doing what he told them to do. You read the word, he made his disciples get into the boat. I wondered what that word meant. It means to make. It means to compel them or to force them. It's like Jesus is saying, no, you get in the boat now. You know, you go now. Get in the boat, go to the other side. And I wondered about that. Why would Jesus have made his disciples get in a boat to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Well, again, this immediately follows the feeding of the 5,000. And it's a huge miracle. And you read about this, and I put these other references in your notes, because Mark also records this in Mark chapter 6. John records it in John chapter 6. And if you read those two passages along with Matthew 14, you get a fuller picture of what happened then. After Jesus fed thousands of people, John's account says, after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who's coming to the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, sent his disciples away and went to the mountain by himself. And that got me thinking. Jesus performs this great miracle, feeding over 5,000 people. The people say, he's our king. He's the one we've been waiting on. Jesus knows it's not time yet. He's got more work to do. And so it may be, and, and I don't have any 
Bible for this. This I'm just speculating. It may be that the disciples were also caught up in, let's make him king. Because we know that the Jews of the first century were looking for the king to come and set up the kingdom. Because you remember that even after Jesus rose from the dead on the Mount of Ascension, the disciples said, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So it may be that the disciples were kind of wrapped up in that too, and Jesus felt like maybe he could handle the crowd better if the disciples weren't there egging them on. I don't know that. But, but it caused me to think about times in our lives when it feels like God is sending us away. Now, I don't mean by that that we've lost our relationship to him. I don't mean by that that he's abandoning us. But maybe you've experienced this. You're praying about something. It's a burden in your life. It's a need in your life. You're intense about it. And it just seems like everything has shut down. Every opportunity has closed. In the churches that we grew up in, they called it doors being opened and shut. You know, opportunities. And, and you thought this was it, and the door closed. You thought this was the school you were going to, and they didn't accept you. You thought this was the job you were going to get, and you didn't get it. And all of the doors close. And when that happens, I have found in my own experience that it means God is saying no. You know, sometimes God answers prayer by saying no. There's an old country song about a guy who was in love madly in high school with this girl, and he goes back to whatever reunion it is, and he sees her again, and he says, Lord, I thank you for unanswered prayers. <laughs> you know, so you know, sometimes, you know, and, and it's not necessarily no because you've made a mistake. It can be this isn't right for you. It can be this isn't right for you now, you know, the timing's wrong. Or it could be, I've got something totally different in mind for you. And, and it, it kind of feels like Jesus has sent us away. Wait a minute, Lord, you're supposed to answer my prayers. I told you no. You know, and, and that feels sometimes like he's kind of sent us away. Um, again, not abandoning us, but just forcing us to realize that he may have something else in mind for us. But regardless of the motivation. Jesus tells the disciples, you go now. Get in the boat, go to the other side, and I'm going to send the crowd home, and then I'm going up in the mountain by myself to pray. And then verse 24 happens. The boat is now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind is contrary. John chapter 6, John's account, verse 17. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. Oh, you ever had that experience? <laughs> Where life was dark, and it seemed like Jesus wasn't there yet. Mark chapter 6, Mark's account, said that the disciples were straining at the oars because the wind was against them. People who have been to the Holy Land and people who have lived there say that the storms on the Sea of Galilee are some of the most intense you'd ever want to experience. The Sea of Galilee is in a valley, and they say the wind comes down off those mountains, and, the, and it's just turbulence. It can be calm and peaceful, and almost in an instant, 
you're in a storm that threatens to capsize your boat and you're in trouble. And these professional fishermen are in this boat straining at the oars because the wind was against them. <laughs> Ever been there? <laughs> where, where you're straining with everything you've got just to survive and it's dark and the wind is against you and Jesus isn't anywhere around? Maybe you felt like that in 2021. Maybe you felt like that in 2020. <laughs> Maybe you felt that way for a while. Lord, I'm doing my best. I'm working harder than I've ever worked. I'm doing more than I've ever done. I'm straining at the oars for all I'm worth. The wind is contrary, and you're not anywhere around. When that happens, I can almost guarantee you that the devil starts talking to you. And he says, well, you are obviously out of God's will. You obviously missed something. God's mad at you. That's why I emphasize the first point here. They were doing what Christ had told them to do. They were doing what he made them do. They were not in that boat because of disobedience. They were in that boat because of obedience. So many times, and I don't know who sold us this bill of goods, but so many times we think that the sign that we are in God's will is that there are no problems. Oh, I'm in God's will. Everything is great. I am in God's will. Everything is perfect. Everything's going my way. Uh-uh. Being in God's will does not mean no problems. Being in God's will means God's peace in the midst of the problems. The songwriter put it this way, there's peace in the midst of the storm-tossed life. There's an anchor, there's a rock to build my faith upon. Jesus rides in my vessel and I fear no alarm. He gives me peace in the midst of of the storms. In fact, let's be honest, you can't have peace unless there's strife, right? How do you experience peace unless there's difficulties? Again, being in the will of God does not mean no problems. Being in the will of God means God's peace in the midst of problems. There have been times, I'm sure in your life, I know in my life, when it's like things were just going wrong. And it's like, God, did I miss it somewhere? And, and, and I would go back and, and try to, you know, if I was journaling at the time, I would go back and read my journal. What's, what's God been saying? You know, I didn't miss anything. I'm doing exactly what he told me to do. But it's so difficult. But when I calmed down, I was able to realize that way deep down inside, there was peace. Wasn't any peace on the outside. <laughs> but way deep down inside, it's like, I know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So again, it, I'm not a prophet, but I believe that I can tell you that in 2022, you will face some storms. There will be some challenges. Just because the calendar flipped doesn't mean COVID went away and nonsense went away. And no, no. There's going to be challenges. 
bull, but I want you to see something else. And I know I didn't tell you to turn to Mark chapter 6. But in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, where it says, the disciples were straining at the oars because the wind was against them. The rest of the verse says, he saw the disciples straining at the oars. Which leads me to tell you this, in the storm you may not see God, but he sees you. Donna told me yesterday in her Bible reading, she was studying uh, Hagar. And there, there's a time, you know, in the early part of that whole story, you read it in Genesis chapter 16, when Sarah mistreats Hagar so much that Hagar just leaves. She's out in the desert. And God comes to her and speaks to her. And she names the place Bir Lahairoi, which means the Lord who sees me. Even in the deserts of life, the Lord sees you. Even when you're in the midst of a mess that you didn't make, the Lord sees you. There's a great poignant story in John chapter 9. There's this man who had been born blind, and Jesus heals him. And the enemies of Jesus try to get the man who was healed to say that Jesus was a sinner. And the man's response was, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but I, I, this I do know. I was blind, now I see. And by the way, if you want to know how to share your faith, that's how you do it. <laughs> Let me tell you what God did for me. I was blind, now I see. And they excommunicated him from the synagogue, which was the most serious thing the Jews could do to another Jew. So he's excommunicated from basically society and from his faith. And John chapter 9 verse 35 says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him. Wait a minute. Jesus heals this man. The man gets tossed out of the synagogue. And Jesus has been paying close enough attention that he has heard about it and goes looking for the guy. And when he found him. Do you remember writing a song about that? Donna wrote a song about that years ago called Jesus Came Looking for Me. Because that's what that means. Jesus found him because he was looking for him. You may not see God, but he sees you. The night may be dark. Everybody may have turned against you. But I came by this first Sunday of the new year to say, God sees you. He knows what you're going through. And whether it's a storm or whether it's a desert, he will come to you and say, Take courage, be of good cheer, it's me, don't be afraid. The cheer of his presence, you're going to need that in the new year. John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples just hours before his crucifixion. And he tells them some incredible things. It would be worth your while. I mean, you can do it during Lent if you want to. You can do it during January if you want to. 
to start with John 13 and read through John 17 and, and this discourse and discussion that Jesus has with his disciples right before his crucifixion. And he says this in John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, take courage, I have overcome the world. That's a significant verse because it tells us first that there will be trouble. <laughs> this is a promise. I don't even know if they make them anymore. But uh, if you grew up born again, you know, in the 50s and 60s, somewhere in your house, there was a little plastic or other material like a, a loaf of bread that had an opening in the top. And there were all kinds of multicolored pieces of cardboard that had the promises of the Bible in them. And they called it the promise box. And in, in some families, it was in the middle of the table. And, you know, every morning at breakfast, somebody would just reach in and pull out a promise and read it. I have not seen one of those in decades, and I have not gone through every single piece of cardboard that was in them. But I think I'm pretty sure that John 16.33 was not in there. I'm going to reach into the promise box for my promise today. In this world, you will have tribulation. Oh, let me pull another one out, right? You know, But that's a promise. As much of a promise as I am with you always, even in the end of the world, this is a promise. In this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. And that word has to do with the idea of pressure and affliction and anguish. <laughs> what an encouraging word for 2022. In this world, you will have trouble. But, he says... I've spoken these things to you that in me you might have peace. The second cheer for the new year is the cheer of his peace. Yes, there will be trouble. And believers in Christ are not exempt. Believers in Christ have died from COVID. Believers in Christ have lost their jobs. Believers in Christ have lost their businesses. You know, it, it rains on the just and the unjust. In this world, you will have trouble. And he's speaking these to the disciples. You know, Judas is already gone, but he's speaking to this to the other disciples. And if you know their story, you know that they all had trouble. They all had tribulation. Many of them were martyrs because of their faith. And Jesus says, be of good cheer. <laughs> be courageous. I have overcome the world means conquered the world. And that's the promise of his peace. And I love this word peace here. I think in a couple weeks, I'm going to preach half of a sermon on peace. But this particular word, peace, means quietness and rest, which is why you probably shouldn't be spending so much time on social media because that disturbs your quietness and your rest. And it means to be joined together. You know, the opposite of being joined together is to be torn apart. 
And isn't it, I mean, you've probably heard yourself say several times over the last couple of years, this is tearing me apart. And we know what it's like to experience things that tear us apart. That's the opposite of God's peace. He said, be courageous. I'm speaking this to you so that you can have peace. It's the same word he uses in John chapter 14, verse 27, when he said before he ascended, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. I, I, I use that verse in the vast majority of funerals that I officiate. But man, that's not just a funeral verse. That's a life verse. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Yes, in this world, you will have tribulation. But I'm here, he said, to tell you, you can have peace. Because I've overcome the world. How do you do it? Isaiah 26.3 Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. That word means fixed. Hanging on to God because he trusts in you. The way you maintain your peace is to maintain your hold on God and keep focused on him. Someone came up with this acrostic for peace. Pray for God's guidance in every part of your life. Erase your past under the blood of Jesus. You know, it's hard to have peace if you still have unconfessed sin in your life. Confess your sins. Erase your past under the blood of Jesus. Accept realities that can't be changed. That's important. You know, so many times we fight against things that just aren't going to be changed unless God does a miracle. And if it's going to take God doing a miracle, why am I stressing about it? You know, it's like, God, you see the situation. You're going to have to handle it. I'm out, you know, because it's, it's out of my now. If it's something that's my responsibility, I got to deal. If it's something that I can do something about, I need to stop, step up and do my part. But if it's out of my response, it's out of my reality and I can't change it, I need to learn to accept that and then confess my limitations to God. God, I can't handle this. You know I can't handle this. Confess my limitations to God and then expect God to be God. Pray for God's guidance in every part of your life. Erase your past under the blood of Jesus. Accept the realities that can't be changed. Confess your limits to God. By the way, he knows them anyway. And then expect God to be God. And, you know, I, I'm going to sit here for a minute on that. Confess your limitations to God. I, I've alluded to this over the last few weeks as we've talked about Christ coming to this earth. He knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. And he knows our limitations. You know, there's that song, There's Not a Friend Like the Lowly Jesus. No, not one. It says, Jesus knows all about our struggles. And he does. And he remembers... You know, unlike, who was it, Sia or whoever said, I am titanium. No, we're not titanium. We're dirt. You know, we're dust. And, and I'm convinced, now not everybody, but I'm convinced that there are a lot of believers who are harder on themselves than God is on them. I ought to be able to, and God says, come on, man. You know, I made you out of the dirt. You know, Take it easy on yourself. You know, be kind to yourself. 
and then expect God to be God. God, you got to handle this because I can't. And I give it to you. Our problem, now we can do all of that, but our well, maybe not your problem. My problem is after about four or five days, it's like, okay, God, it appears you're not going to do anything about this. So I'm going to take it all back and get all stressed out again. No, we've got to learn, keep him in perfect peace whose mind is hanging on to God. The cheer of his presence, the cheer of his peace. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Jesus comes into a house, and some people brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. That's the cheer of his pardon. The cheer of his forgiveness. Let's just be honest. None of us is whole. None of us is complete, right? We're all messed up. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, you may know the, the name Johnny Erickson Tata, who was paralyzed from the neck down in a diving accident when she was a teenager. And, and she does a, a lot of work with people with disabilities. And, and she made a statement, I don't know if, I, if it was in a speech or in one of her books, where she says, none of us is whole. Every one of us is disabled in some way, you know, and I think it's pretty true, you know. Some of us put the fun in dysfunctional. You know, we, we, we're, we're all messed up to a certain degree in some way. And often in the Bible, sin is pictured as sickness. And we are unable to heal ourselves. We're sick with sin. We can't heal ourselves. That's what Christmas was all about that we just celebrated. Jesus said, I have come to call sinners to repentance. We need a Savior, and Jesus comes to make us whole. To say, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Or as the angels put it, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The good news is it doesn't matter how messed up you are, what a mess you made of things, God will forgive you. If we confess our sins, Lord, I know that I messed up. I know that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my life. He will do that. And he will say to you and me, as he did to that paralyzed man, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Christ can make us whole. So as we begin this new year, there are going to be days when we need his pardon. There are going to be days when we need his peace. There are going to be days when we need his presence. And the good news is, he says, be of good cheer. I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago during the Christmas series that one of my favorite names for Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And no matter what you're going through, no matter what challenges you're facing in your life, you're not alone. He is with you. And again, whether the storm is on the sea or whether it's the storm of a desert, God is with you and he sees you and he knows you. And he will give you his peace and he will forgive your sins.
Thank you, Father, that that's the kind of a God you are. Sometimes we have trouble getting our minds around that because we're not like that, but you are. You are a loving and forgiving God whose mercies are new every morning. You are a God who is not surprised when trouble comes our way, but you've already promised us that you would give us peace, and you've already assured us that you've already overcome the world. And Lord, we always need your presence as we go into situations in our lives, as we go into a meeting, as we go into a situation that we're not quite sure how to handle, as we face a conflict with somebody and we're not quite sure how to handle it. You've promised to be with us and to give us wisdom and to give us your peace. And so, Father, maybe we need to build into our lives the discipline of just before we head out the door every morning, just saying, God, please make me aware of your presence with me. We don't have to pray, God, be with me, because you are. But so many times we just need to say, Lord, let me be aware that you are with me. In the midst of all of the noise and confusion and chaos of life, Lord, may I know that you are with me. And may that knowledge give me your peace. Because if there's anything, Lord, that our world needs right now, it's some peace. And some people, when everybody else is losing their minds, to stay at peace. Because you are with us. Again, I thank you that you have been with us over the last couple of years. And the God who has been with us to this point is not going to leave us now. And we thank you for that. So we face the future with confidence, not because we know what's going to happen tomorrow, but because we do know how it's ultimately going to end and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and you will reign forever and ever. And so that gives us peace and confidence to know that you are with us every step of the way. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming out today. Thanks for tuning in. You're dismissed.